and welcome into another episode of Turning the Corner, a Detroit Tigers podcast. I'm Kieran Steckley. With me, as always, he's your Detroit Tigers insider. And fun fact, he also recorded a new version of Taylor Swift's Red Album, and he will release it if enough of you guys subscribe to The Athletic. He is Cody Stavenhagen. Cody, how you doing? Hey, I like it. That's not entirely true. Played some of the songs on my guitar, uh, not the whole album. Won't be releasing it to the public, but we should we should talk about Taylor Swift, uh, Red Taylor's version a little bit today. I mean, that's just I was really blown away. Uh, made for a good weekend. Well, I think we need to check in on Jake Gyllenhaal. Is he okay? Does he need to I return don't the care. scarf? I hope he's I hope he's not okay. <laughs> I don't. The scarf, look, the scarf is is almost better that he still has it because we can talk about it. The fact, I didn't realize before that he skipped her 21st birthday party. Imagine, you're dating Taylor Swift and you don't go to her birthday party? Like, I would, there is nothing in the world that would stop me from being at Taylor Swift's <laughs> birthday party. Let me just say that. And it was 21, right? It's a big one. It was 21. It was her 21st, yeah. Yeah, that's a, that's a hard one to defend. Has he gotten a chance to defend himself? He's been asked about it a lot, and he does not like to get asked about it. Um was listening to a podcast The Ringer did. They, they talked about it. He gets kind of testy when he gets asked about Taylor. And Maggie Gyllenhaal, who supposedly has the scarf, was once asked about the scarf. And she was like, oh, I, I, yeah, I don't know anything about that. So I don't know if that's true or the Gyllenhaals just don't want to make themselves look bad. I don't know. You know, I always thought, as amazing as Taylor Swift is, if I was somebody that had something to lose, like a celebrity – you know, that might be a stay away for me, you know, just because I don't want 10 years later to be dragged in about like something that happened in our relationship with a, with a re- not even a new album, a re-recording of an album. Yes. Yeah. It kind of sucks for Jake Gyllenhaal. He's getting just roasted all over again. Like, uh, I guess not 10 years later, but like a good, what, seven, eight years later that that's not great, but you know what? I think he deserves it. So yeah, well, we all know that you are. I hate, I hate all of Taylor Swift's exes, for anyone who's wondering. Harry Styles, get out of here. Take Taylor Lautner. Is there a hierarchy? Tom, Mayer, Tom Hiddleston. Who's get worse? All. They, they all suck. Uh, what's his name from uh, Harry Styles in the song? Oddly enough, like comes off kind of cool, like kind of edgy and dark and mysterious. And she doesn't like eviscerate his character the way she does John Mayer or Jake Gyllenhaal a little bit. Um, she writes some songs about him, but it seems like Harry Styles actually comes off better than a lot of the others. Who's your least favorite? Uh, John Mayer, because he's a weirdo. Yeah. Followed by Jake Gyllenhaal. Yeah, I, I don't really, I don't really get the whole John Mayer thing. Amazing musician, but this like sure. in, infatuation that basically every single celebrity female had, had, maybe still has. I think the the book is out on him a little bit. Okay, and I'm also a pretty big fan of 70s music, and it would irk me in like middle school, early high school, when everyone would be like, oh, John Mayer, Free Fallen. <laughs> it's like, that's, that's not even his song. Like, that's Tom Petty's song. Like, his best song is not even his song. So, stop. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. I assume you listened to the, the Red Album on your road trip this weekend. Is that... I did. I listened to it front to back, as well as several Taylor Swift podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> Well, in between that, uh, or I guess concluding that, we uh, we had more breaking Tigers news, Cody. We 
have a pattern here where we get together for a weekend in uh, in a location that is not one of our residences, and we get back and get woken up essentially with breaking Tigers news. First, it was acquiring Tucker Barnard, and now Eduardo Rodriguez is officially a member of the Detroit Tigers organization. We had talked last time about kind of getting your bearings about you when this trade was going down uh, right after my bachelor party in Vegas. This time was another exhausting weekend, but not a Vegas weekend. Were you a little bit more... Did it did it jolt you as much as the Tucker trade, or uh, or what was your Monday like as this was going down? Because I want to give you credit as well. You were, I don't keep track of this all that well, but if you weren't the first, you were one of the first. You were cited frequently as... Uh, oh, as I was the first by 10 minutes, which in 2021 might as well be like three days. Well, there you go. Destroyed everyone on this one. <laughs> domination, domination. There we go. Uh, no, I think I had predicted on the podcast before. I was like, watch their next signing come when I'm like in Stillwater, you know, having fun, off, technically off work. Luckily, you know, historically, that's when like big news happens, like always at the worst time. So maybe I'm jinxing myself and they'll sign Carlos Correa at a terrible time or whatever. Uh, but luckily, that's not what happened. They waited, you know, they didn't announce the signing when I was three, four, five, six beers deep in Stillwater, <laughs> Oklahoma. They waited until the following Monday when I had returned home, uh, but I was very tired. Uh, I, I, you know, basically got up early, started hearing about the news, and put it out there at, you know, uh, I think seven thirty-three Central Time or something like that. Um, put it out there and and was the first. I kind of knew I was going to have this one before anyone else, so that was a good feeling. But that's one of the things about the off season. Like some days you wake up and it's like, okay. I don't really have that much to do today. Like I'm going to pretend to work for a little while and then go golf. And some days you wake up to your phone going off and there's a big, there's big news and you, you work all day long. Like you never quite know what to expect. So that's just a little insight into how that one went down. Well, once you did learn of the transaction and, and the numbers were out there, you got the numbers. Uh, what were your, some of your initial thoughts? I liked I liked the signing. I mean, Rodriguez would have been very high on the list of pitchers I wanted the Tigers to sign. When I look at the actual contract, I, I like that there's an opt out because it's like five years, seventy seven million. It's I don't want to call it an overpay, but it is a lot. Uh, at the same time, I think Eduardo Rodriguez is a very good pitcher. I actually covered his major league debut when I was in MLB.com oh, intern in. In Texas, the Red Sox were there, and and sometimes as an intern, you would have to cover the visiting team. So I happened to cover the visiting team that day, and Eduardo went seven and two-thirds shutout innings. I believe he had a no-hitter going on fairly deep into that game. I was trying to dig up the story, and it's like lost in the Google algorithms. But uh, I've liked Eduardo for for a long time. He'd been a little bit up and down throughout his career in Boston, but he also finished sixth in the Cy Young voting in 2019, you know, missed all of, of 2020 with the, the heart condition that was a side effect of COVID, but got a full off season of conditioning, came back, had a pretty strong year in 2021. And my stories, if you haven't heard it already, a uh, lot's been written about. He's a lot better than that 4.74 ERA suggests. His FIP was much stronger. The Red Sox were the worst team in baseball at turning batted balls into outs. 
He's not really a power pitcher. He throws, you know, about 92 with his fastball, but he misses a lot of bats with the changeup, with the cutter. I'm sure the Tigers would not have signed him if A.J. Hinch and Chris Fetter did not look at him and say, we can get even more out of this guy. Um, so I don't think it's quite the same as signing, you know, this generational ace, but I think you got a very good pitcher, uh, which is what this, what this staff needed, what the Tigers said identified as arguably their top priority. I think he's a lefty. He's a very good compliment to the young trio of Mize Manning and Scooble. Um, overall, I, I, you know, I like the deal. I think it is a lot. I wonder how we'll look at it five years from now. But it's not Jordan Zimmerman. Like there were when the Tigers signed Jordan Zimmerman, there was already evidence he was in decline. That's not really the case at all with Eduardo Rodriguez, and he is one of the uh, younger pitchers who was available on this market as well. It was a couple. I have a couple thoughts on the money. Uh, first of all, with it not being salary cap, I typically don't get caught up in bottom line dollars because I it's not my money, right? Uh, and it doesn't. In terms of league rules, it doesn't inhibit your ability to field the team. Now, if the owner budgets are different than that, but in terms, no, no salary cap, so I don't get caught up in that. The two year, the the opt out after two years. It's one of those things where if he pitches really well, he's opting out. So that's true. You're almost like. If you're rooting for him, you're more or less rooting for him to have the ability to to opt out, right? <laughs> yeah. And yeah. the money's only going to become a problem essentially is if he stinks, because obviously then he's not going to opt out. And if you look at the one year qualifying offer, his AAV uh, is below. I know it's different multi years and all that stuff, but it's below what the qualifying offer was. So when people say that like this was an overpay, which some have said. First of all, it's not most likely if he projects as most think he would, it's not going to be an overpay because it's going to be a two-year deal and then maybe he re-signs, maybe you really evaluate it, whatever. You worry about that then. But he was going to get this much for at least one year. You got him below it for a couple years and you have incentives in there. That kind of sweetens the pot a little bit. Again, if, the, if it maximizes, that means some things have gone well. You know, and you did not have to react to the market. Now, sometimes setting the tone in the market ends up screwing you. The market goes against you. That happens. I don't think that was going to happen in this free agency class of pitchers. I think basically everybody, all the names that we're hearing, they're like, that's our basement. It's not even like our floor. That's our basement. Like Robbie Ray's like, if you're not coming at me with 85 mil, don't even call my agent. You know what I mean? So you were able to get him what I would deem is like a high dollar but reasonable contract. He's still entering his physical prime. And he's got some moxie to him that we saw, you know, in the postseason this year. Uh, You would think... I don't know if AJ has a what kind of relationship he has with Alex Cora. I have no idea, but I'm sure there's probably some sort of like familiarity with you know how does this guy react. I'm sure but placing a phone call wasn't too much, especially once uh, once the qualifying offer was declined. Uh, so there's some connective tissue there as well, which I think could have been a factor. 
and you went ahead and, think, and got your guy. You got your guy, and you didn't go out and get in a bidding war with you know for for the number three, two, or one free agent pitcher. Which I don't know. I don't really think you need to do. I think this is exactly the kind of move you needed to make. Yeah, I think uh, number one, I think the one Nieves connection was real. The Tigers' assistant pitching coach was uh, the Red Sox pitching coach back in spring training of 2015. Spanish speaker Rodriguez is from Venezuela. I think that tie definitely carried some weight, and it's a very good sign, again, that the Tigers went out and made something happen. Like we talked about with Tucker Barnhart, the Tigers made the biggest free agent signing so far this offseason. They kind of set the tone for the pitching market, which, yeah, can be a little dangerous, but this isn't a year where you're pinching pennies. Like in 2019, the Tigers paid a little more than they should have for Jordy Mercer when they could have got Freddie Galvis, who ended up having a better year, cheaper in a year in which they were really pinching pennies. This year, I think it bodes in your favor to be aggressive. We haven't seen a lot of that from the Tigers in the past, but at the same time, one thing, one very good thing about the Avila front office, agents in the game view Al Avila and the Tigers generally as a team that doesn't really waste your time. If they want you, they make clear they want you, and they go after you. If they don't, they don't beat around the bush too much. Uh, that, that can probably work for or against the Tigers, but I think right now in this market and this this climate with the CBA looming and, and certain players like Robbie Grossman, like Eduardo Rodriguez, uh, I think they want to feel wanted. And I think the Tigers make it known when, when they want somebody. There were other teams in one Rodriguez. I don't know how much they offered, but the Tigers putting up the money. They said, we want you. You're our guy. And they got the deal done. You know, I have uh, I have this friend of mine who I always kind of joke with him because he's not a he's not a very good looking guy. He's not it's not like he's got some great amazing job. He doesn't doesn't really take care of his body all that much. He's got some quirks to him, and I always say I was like, you know. You are the best person I know at identifying the woman that would <laughs> take your crap and, like, you know, that you could flirt with and, you know, maybe see what happens with. He is so good at it. It's by far the greatest trait that he has. And it's not a trait I have. I don't I don't have that I ability. do not have that trait whatsoever. Yeah, so, <laughs> so he does. And it, it's remarkable to see. Uh, because he's definitely outdone his weight class uh, when it comes to his social life. That's kind of what I'm thinking about with Al right now. It's like he's able to identify <laughs> exactly who he wants and who would buy into his vision, and he goes after him. It's like you said, not wasting any time. He goes after him, and thus far this postseason, two for two. I mean, you know, acquiring players um, – I know one of them's a trade, but you know it, it's it. The, a lot of the same principles apply, but acquiring players, you got to sell them on your vision. Sorry, I'm just making sure my dog doesn't knock over my coke can. You got to sell them on your vision and get them to buy into what you're selling, and that's exactly what happened here. And he and he didn't waste any time. I think this is a pretty nice off season so far for Al. You know. Sometimes I can't figure out if Al loves me or if Al hates me. Uh, I think he can be a little bit moody. Obviously, he's had some mistakes in his tenure as GM, but I tend to look at the last two years. We're going to talk about that later when we get to the fan survey. 
Guys made some pretty good moves as of late. If you're trying to knock Al right now, uh, I don't know what your basis is other than, oh, you say, well, oh, AJ's doing everything. I'm sure AJ is doing a lot, but Al hired AJ. Al's job is to hire smart people. I know Al's made two very good moves so far this offseason, and I had some little birdies told me Al did not shy away from stumbling into the bar very late at night at the GM meetings. So congrats to Al for making a good signing and for turning up in the process. If I have a GM that turns up, I'm never going to be 0% in on him. I'm a, I'm a, that's at least worth 15% in my book. That's a 15% curve. So like some of these guys, I don't think Heim Bloom is down there. You know, I don't think Farhan Zaidi is down there at the, at the hotel bar these days. Maybe they are, uh, in the winter meetings I attended, there's one general manager down at the bar and it was Al Avila. Props to Al. Props to Al. Yeah. Props to him. Uh, so as the rotation currently stands, where does Eduardo kind of slide in? Like, where do you kind of imagine is his, I know it doesn't really matter one, two, three, four, five, but we talk about it as fans. So what, what, what is he their Number two now? Is he, is he their number three? Could he be their number one? Like what, what do you I think? think if you, if, I think he's your most proven, most established pitcher. I think he's probably your number one. Uh, I think your only other candidate for that number one, like opening day starter, is probably Casey Mize. And that might come down to how things shake out in spring training, how well Mize throws, how much progress he's made, maybe even just kind of the scheduling of it. Again, they, they open on the road. Like, does it really matter who's one and who's two? It's more of a symbolic thing. And if you're, say, you're A.J. Hinch, A.J. knows the pulse of the fan base. He knows a lot of people would like it if your young gun, 1-1 draft pick goes out there and starts opening day. Uh, a lot of people would also like it if you're the guy you just gave a big five-year contract to goes out and starts opening day. That's kind of solidifying, okay, Eduardo is our ace. Um, I don't know. Like, I don't think he's a quote-unquote ace. Like, he's probably, you know, like he was in Boston, more of like a 2-3 on, on a very good team. But... Uh, I think he's the most proven pitcher on the Tigers staff. So right now I'd say he's the, the early front runner to be your opening day starter. You mentioned it in passing. And before we move on, I kind of want to uh, get you to elaborate a little bit more. Uh, the big thing with uh, the big context, I guess is how I would phrase it with Eduardo is he was extremely unlucky last year. And then, you know, how much of the lingering of, 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 of the long battle with COVID uh, played into it. I know, like you said, you had the full off-season conditioning, you know, that kind of stuff. But with anything related to COVID, there's nothing 100%, right? So uh, those factors in, but specific to being unlucky and his ERA being 4-plus, uh what is if, if what is it that Tigers fans can really bank on that makes his numbers better than someone who would just read the read the newspaper and it says he had a four or whatever ERA and he struck out this many? Like what's the what's the beneath the service thing that people should cling to to make it seem like the pitcher that he actually is? Um, I mean, I, I feel like we've kind of already went down that road, but he's been proven. He's been a top six finisher in, in the Cy Young voting before. He's been a sought-after prospect. 
I think he passes the eye test, even though he doesn't throw 98. He's more of a 92 fastball guy, but his changeup is very good. Misses a lot of bats with the changeup. I think his cutter was a little bit inconsistent this past year. Actually got hit around like he was unlucky. Well, then he's perfect the for the Tigers. Too. He had an inconsistent but, uh, cutter. <laughs> well, <laughs> I think Chris Fetter's going to like the changeup. I mean, and he, he generally has pretty low walk rates and uh, and high strikeout rates, especially for someone who doesn't throw, you know, 98, 99, 100. I mean, I think he's a, he's a solid, reliable pitcher who is still young and has, has room to get a little bit better. And you are you a big fan of FIP the stat? Uh, I think at times it can be. It's not like an end all be all, but when you see a huge discrepancy, like in the case of Eduardo Rodriguez, four seven four ERA, and his FIP was what I forgot the numbers. Three point three two. Three point three two. So more than a full run. That tells you something was up. That tells you something. Uh, this guy had some bad luck, and it turns out Eduardo Rodriguez was historically unlucky last year. He had the highest opponent's batting average and balls in play ever against a left-handed starter who threw at least 150 innings, like 363 or something. Hits just fell in against this guy that generally shouldn't have. You look at his metrics, he had pretty low uh, average exit velocities. He was indeed historically unlucky. So that again shows you how teams are making decisions these days. Uh, in 2002, I'm not sure Eduardo Rodriguez gets five years, 77 million coming off a of 474 ERA. But in 2021, when all the underlying metrics go look at his Statcast page, a lot of good numbers on there. Uh, that that'll get you paid these days. And I think the Tigers uh, probably made a pretty, I don't want to call it shrewd because everyone knew Eduardo Rodriguez is pretty good. But I think they made a wise decision in choosing him as their guy. I wanted to kind of go to a story that uh, your colleague Keith Law wrote, and it was it was kind of a seesaw reading it, and and you know I'm looking, you know he's talking about how the Tigers made a big splash, and you know it looks like they're serious about contending, which they should be, and I'm like okay, okay, some numbers about Rodriguez, you know. And then I get to this graph where basically he seems to think that signing Rodriguez is a vote of no confidence in the young pitching trio of my Scooble and Manning. And he kind of goes into the numbers and some, you know, some analytical uh, data with uh, with those three. And the way he, I, I, I had never even thought that I thought that was so out of left field to sign what was considered like the top of like the next tier of starting pitchers and that to being that your rookies you don't have confidence in your rookies anymore i was like we all knew they needed to get a starting pitcher so like that and and had nothing to do with you know with those young guys it had to do with a you always need pitching right basically and b you have substantial injuries on the staff in general and so I kind of thought that was quite a stretch to, you know, kind of write off Matt Manning, say that Casey Mize isn't, you know, hasn't really lived up to his, you know, potential, and Scoobles had his issues, which, by the way, 
Mize hasn't lived up to his potential because guess what? It was his first full season in the major leagues. Like hardly any pitchers living up to their potential, quote unquote, when they're less than two years in. You know, Scooble's got to refine. That's I would consider that chalk. And we all know the Matt Manning thing where he's trying to essentially learn on the fly and he was only brought up because of previously stated injury. So I thought it was really I thought it was really weird to kind of look at it as like a like I said a vote of no confidence in these young guys whereas like do they have areas they need to improve? Yes. Is that anything that's not expected? Of course not. They had like to, it kind of seemed really dismissive of the Tigers young starters more so than I really thought uh was warranted. Um and I'm not going to try to get you to bash a colleague, but I I just I just kind of had to get that off my chest. I thought that was a a weird way to go about it. That'd be something that I would expect out of like hot takey radio, local local sports talk radio. It's like, yeah, they signed Rodriguez. It means they think Scooble sucks, you know, and and, and fill your three minutes. So I thought that was I thought that was a, an interesting take. I will say, it. interesting take. Yeah, again, I'm not going to bash someone I'm technically coworkers with, but I read that column and was kind of scratching my head. I think sometimes it's good to have like an outside objective perspective because sometimes Tigers fans or probably even us can get in this mode of like, oh, Mize Manning Scooble are the future, like three aces, when in reality that's probably not quite true. Like you're lucky if one of them blossoms into a true ace and you hope the other two are um very good major league pitchers and the chances of all three of them making it like I don't know like it's it's too early to tell that said like I was like did you did you watch any of these guys pitch this year like yeah Mize's metrics actually weren't good yeah Scooble's FIP is you talk about FIP his FIP was actually 5.08 but then you look at his ex-FIP which takes a little bit further he, he had bad luck, like having bad luck. His XFIP was 4.06, actually lower than his 4.34 ERA. So you can interpret these numbers different ways. I think especially with young guys who I watch, like I think all three of them are getting better. I think Mize has all the makings of a very good pitcher. I think Scooble probably has the best stuff out of the three. They're probably a little more growing pains, but they're only going to get closer to finished products. Matt Manning's season, you know, it's kind of disappointing, but uh, – he got called up before he was even ready. The Tigers needed an arm. He was thrown into the deep end. I think he could make big strides this next year. And yeah, I, I don't think that really had anything at all. Like the Tigers, generally, in 2021, you have five starting pitchers in your rotation. So, okay, Mize, Manning, Scooble. Well, that's that's three. And Turnbull is hurt. And Boyd is hurt. And you haven't re-signed Willie Peralta. And Tyler Alexander maybe is a starter, maybe isn't. By the very nature, the Tigers needed to acquire another starting pitcher. To, to paint that as a referendum on the young prospects is is quite puzzling to me, and I, I thought the story kind of lacked depth to it. So I would not I would not read too much into that at all. Again, yeah, to paint it as like an overpay, I think it was a lot of money. I, an overpay is not the word I would use, um, and I also don't. We'll decide whether it's an overpay when we see, one, what other pitchers sign for, and two, how he performs. Then we'll go into uh, revisionist mode and decide if it was an overpay or not. Maybe it was an underpay. If he has a great two years and opts out, oh, the Tigers really underpaid for two years of a, a frontline start. So, Well, you want to get to the survey? You want to get to the survey? Let's jump into the survey. 
All right, let's jump into the survey. Um, I'm going to kind of look at the uh, the pie graph for each question and see. Just tell me what kind of surprised you. So, number one, how would you rate Alavila's work as general manager? Overwhelming favorite of average. Um, you got. 15% below average, 20% great. Uh, what What is that tiny little it's snippet like there? That's excellent. Yeah. <laughs> and basically the same for poor. Um, I thought that was very reasonable of, of, of your readers, of your subscribers. 60% uh, average. Uh, his true testament is ahead of him. I think you would have to call it worse uh, had this past season not happened. Um, but I think what this tells me, Cody, is fans are giving them a chance. Fans are giving them a chance. They've seen progress, and 60% at least of this poll are more or less saying, all right, let's see what your next moves are now that you're in build-up mode and not tear-down mode. It's kind of what I think. Yeah, I recognize now I probably should have had an option between average and great, like good. And I wonder if a lot of people would have given Al the mark of good. But I, I really wanted to compare this to the survey I did in 2020. And for some reason at the time, my pandemic brain did not include a good option. So uh, if, if you have to choose between average or great, it really puts you on the spot. Um, only 6.2% of people gave Al Avila great in April of 2020. Now 20% of people are getting Al Avila great. Um, his approval ratings are definitely definitely up. I think a lot of people, again, 60% went average, so they're not quite ready to say Al Avila is a good or even great general manager. But the idea of Al being poor, oh, he's so bad, he's so clueless, he has to be fired, you still see that on social media. It's a little bit overblown. Um, again, not trying to paint Al as, as like this baseball mastermind, but he's got he's, he's the GM. And the franchise is headed in the right direction, and the roster is improving. It is a big test. Can he actually assemble a winner at the major league level? Uh, so far, I think the Tigers are taking the right steps toward that, and I think it's good that, for the most part, the fan base has been uh, has been receptive, and his approval rating has gone up as as has the team's success. On the question of how would you rate AJ Hinch after his first year as manager? No real surprises here. Uh, 73.7% said excellent, with basically the le the rest of them uh, going with great. I think I went with great here because, if you, if, in my opinion, I was like, if you go with the top option, then where, where are you going yeah. from there? Uh, I wouldn't call it average because the way he managed this team... Um, in order to get above their Vegas over under and with the bad breaks and the injuries and the young guys, uh, there's no way you could call that average. Uh, so I went with, I think I'm one of the ones that went with great because uh, it wasn't excellent. You're below 500, but given the talent level, I was, very, I was comfortable with great there. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think AJ did a, Tremendous, extraordinary job managing this team. So if you gave him excellence, I uh, can't really 
you know, can't really knock that choice at all. But when you actually have to kind of hand out a grade like this, it's like, all right, do you really give the top option to um, the manager of a 77-win team? I think great is complimentary. And look, the Tigers make the playoffs, uh, bump that bump that baby up to excellent. Very clear that A.J. Hinch has won over the Tigers fan base. It took, it took one year. It took less than a year. Uh, for people to really rally around this guy. And and it's just another indicator of what a transformative presence he really has been. This one's a little bit more muddied. So how would you rate Christopher Illich um, in his role of CEO and chairman? 60% said average, 19 below average, 14 great. Um Probably a really big Little Caesars Pizza fan said excellent, and 5% said poor. Uh, I think average is fine. Again, this was a long road. I understood why they went the way they went. Not, not Whether I agree with it or whether I would have done it that way is different, but at least I can get the rationale. This you know mirrors the Al discussion a lot. Um, but again... We sit here right after a free, a big free agent signing, after you know, getting a relatively expensive catcher. Uh, it seems like he's coming through on his word. He, they went and got AJ Hinch, a proven manager. Um, I think this is sort of like when in class in college, you get an incomplete. It's just because we, I want to see more, and so I, I think average is very fair here. Yeah, I agree. It's I think Illich's um, approval rating is tied pretty closely to Alavila's, even though they do serve different roles. Interestingly, his didn't tick up quite as much as Al's did from 2020 to now, and I think that's because Illich controls the pocketbook, although he is so far backing up his word. They signed Eduardo Rodriguez. I think it takes that shortstop signing or that, that next big contract uh, for people to go average to great with Chris Illich. And I think that's fair. I think, you know, last year, last winter, I don't know what the Tigers' books looked like, but uh, I was a little disappointed they didn't spend a little bit more. And this offseason, look, the time is right, all that. Uh, so far, Chris is, is living up to his word. But you have to make that next big marquee signing probably for, you know, for the general fan base to really – exhale and say okay like chris illich is like we trust chris illich who's your tiger okay i'm a little i like i'm interested in this one because i believe i voted for casey mize because he's sort of like your future if casey mize hits there's a really good chance that the rebuild hits right mm -hmm. uh but miguel cabrera came in with 30 percent of the vote and still considered uh you know mr tiger uh as it currently stands obviously no disrespect to the late great al k line um i thought more fans might move on a little bit and sort of look at cabrera as your older brother's tiger but uh it's hard to say like it's a bad thing if you view miguel cabrera as your number one draw to uh, turn the tv on or go to comerica park yeah, Miggy's still the guy. I mean, he's the biggest name on this team by a wide margin. This was actually down from 55.1% of fans going with Miggy in 2020. Only 30% now. A lot of love for Akil Badu. 
got 23.1% of the vote, shows how marketable he is, what an exciting player and fun personality he is. Some love for the hometown hero and Eric Haas, and a little bit of love for Jamer Candelario. I think the Tigers are still waiting on, again, maybe if they sign a shortstop, that one guy to kind of become the new face of the franchise. Or it could be Casey Mize if he really reaches his potential. Maybe even Tarek Skubal if he really reaches his potential. But they're still just young enough and not quite proven enough where I get I get why you would go the Miguel Cabrera route. I wonder, you know, say they sign Correa or even Trevor Story or, or one of these shortstops. Does that instantly become like, okay, I'm getting that guy's jersey? I, I think that's the case, whereas right now Miguel kind of gets the honorary, okay, he's still he's still my Tiger vote. Yeah, uh, getting a Miguel Cabrera jersey will never be a bad move because it will always bring up good memories. And he is going to be the Hall of Famer and all that stuff, whereas everyone else, just by the nature of, nature of it, is risky all right so we move on to how confident are you the tigers are headed in the right direction this is very much a in the eye of the beholder thing but i thought it was kind of fascinating they're 40 percent very confident 55 percent somewhat confident uh which to me says i am kind of ready to get hurt again but I'm not sure I'm ready to get hurt again. <laughs> That's absolutely what I what I thought it was. Relationship metaphor. Yeah, wrote, you know, in psychology, we call this a defense mechanism. Um, I think people are a little guarded because they're Detroit sports fans. You know, do you really want to get your hopes up only to be crushed? So uh, the majority of people still went with somewhat confident. Yeah, maybe not ready. Maybe like a lot of the, the women I dated last spring and summer, not actually ready to jump back into a relationship. And after two dates, they're like, oh, I'm not sure if I'm over my ex. That's that's kind of what this reminds me of a little bit. <laughs> uh, a tale is all this time, Cody. A tale is all this time. <laughs> oh, man. All right. How confident were you about the direction of the Tigers last year? So this is one where you ask people to hearken back to their thoughts. Obviously, when this uh, would pose, it's like you just hired AJ, but then you don't really know what it means, you know. Um, really mixed bag right here. 26% somewhat confident, 37% unsure, 28.4% not very confident. That's That's probably the biggest takeaway here. And then not confident at all, 5%, handful of percent, very confident. So uh, not very confident, nearly 30%, uh, as they recall, even though they had hired, the Tigers had hired a World Series manager. But there was no Akil Badu sensation. Um, didn't know Casey Mize was kind of kind of round into some sort of form, what to do with Miguel Cabrera. Um Robbie Grossman, what what who was Robbie Grossman type deal? So, uh, all very reasonable, but that shows the growth of the Tigers. Yeah, this survey was actually done in April of 2020. Oh, okay. So Ron Gardenhire was your manager. There was no Robbie Grossman. You were kind of mostly banking on the farm system, and I, I think this makes the the answer we just talked about all the more enlightening. Most people were either unsure or somewhat confident, or a lot of people were not very confident. It seems like now everyone's made their decision. Unsure went from 37% to like 1%. 
and pretty much no one is not very confident anymore. So it just goes to show the past 18, 19 months really have um, swayed the opinions of the fans and made a made a pretty big difference in in you know just their feelings toward the direction of the organization. No surprise here. What position do you want the Tigers to upgrade? Eighty five percent shortstop and. Some of the other percentages were uh, included shortstop, I guess, but it was it was like bigger than that. Shortstop's the easy one, not not much of a surprise there. Shows you the Tigers better sign a shortstop, as I've said. If you don't <laughs> yeah. sign a shortstop, like what are we? Like Al apparently told John Morosi, like, oh, we haven't ruled out getting an outfielder, and I know that's been a thing. Like maybe in lieu of a shortstop, you spend more on the outfield. Again, I think they should get a right-handed outfield bat. Uh, but no one listens to me. But like, if you if you don't sign a shortstop, what are we doing? The majority of fans agree. I would like to think that the Tigers' decision makers feel similarly, uh, but we can't say that for certain until it happens. We were speculating about this a while back. What shortstop do you want? Free agency, overwhelming favorite, sixty four percent Carlos Correa, and ten percent for Corey Seager, seven percent for Trevor Story. Surprise, that's a little low. Uh, Marcus Simeon, though, coming in technically in second place with 12%. Yeah, this one, I thought, I said last week, I thought there would be a little more pushback against Correa. Um, There wasn't. And I would almost caution you on this one. I think the Tigers absolutely need to sign a shortstop. I don't think it has to be Correa. I don't think you should be disappointed if it's not Correa. If it's not Correa, I think it will be because the Tigers – don't want to commit to that 10-year deal or whatever it is we've talked about. Um, Correa being the biggest name, coming off the best year, has kind of really been built up as the guy. It's what people are talking about on social media. But like, then now the narrative's like, well, Trevor Story struggled throwing, and his numbers aren't near as good outside of Coors Field. Look, Trevor Story's a really good shortstop, and I think this time a year ago, People are like, oh, Correa doesn't stay healthy. Like Trevor Story was probably the best option um, of this group. And of, uh, over the past four years, Trevor Story has the highest war. Uh, this isn't really reporting, but just like I've been hearing a lot of Trevor Story whispers that he's kind of, if they don't want to commit to Story or to, to Correa, uh, Story might be the guy the Tigers like and – I, I do. We're almost building up the Correa thing where it's going to be like a disappointment if the Tigers don't sign him. I don't necessarily think we should view it that way. We're going to skip ahead to a couple ones that are a little bit more... Uh, you can read all of these, by the way, on The Athletic, so we don't have to go over every single one of them. Uh, what prospect makes you the most excited? Uh Got 60% for Riley Green and 38% for Spencer Turkelson. I'm a Riley Green guy. Maybe it's because um, as a guy who grew up batting lefty, I'm always a sucker for sweet left-handed swings. Um, but that's not to take away from the potential of Turkelson. But Green being more in the system a, a year longer and more of a sure bet to break the break camp with the team i think that's reasonable for him to be number one right now is it okay if i circle back to the verlander thing real quick sure so verlander you know i said should the tigers attempt to sign justin verlander uh this offseason 66.3 said yes 33.7 said no by the time this actually ran verlander had signed his contract with the astros 25 million 
uh, one year with a second year player option. And look, people, the Tigers were never serious about signing Justin Verlander this offseason. It would have been cool, but it never made sense. And especially after they signed Eduardo Rodriguez, that would have really defied all common logic. Um, and, and again, like in the day leading up to the Verlander signing, we saw, oh, he wants to sign with an East Coast team. Oh, the White Sox are interested. Oh, the Braves. Oh, but he loves California. It's a reminder, we're about to go through it again, probably with Correa, probably with these shortstops. Don't freak out over every single tweet because that all ended up being total smoke. He re-signed with the Houston Astros. Anyway, one of the prospects, yeah, Riley Green's a stud, man. Spencer Torkelson's great. You should be excited about him too, but I think Riley Green might just be your opening day center fielder, and that is another jersey I would go buy. I won't buy it. I'm a journalist, but you know what I mean. Riley Green, great player. Yeah. In terms of what you would deem worthy of the financial yes, and emotional yes. investment, objectively speaking, of course. Uh, this is the one that you said is unfair yeah. to the fans because you're <laughs> – you're not going to, you know, first of all, you can't because the roster is incomplete and you're not going to do one yourself for a bit. Um, but I thought your ranges were good. How many games do you think the Tigers will win in 2022? The uh, This actually was encouraging for me. So 80 to 85 games was the overwhelming favorite, 60%, followed by 85 to 90 at 22% and 70 to 80, 17%. I think it's reasonable, especially if you just say they sign a one of those shortstops. You know, we'll just, you know, really any of them. I think it's reasonable to expect a bump. And when you get to the 80 to 85 range, you're talking about being above 500, right? So I don't really deem that unrealistic expectations. I wouldn't deem it on the surface, like if they didn't reach that, Without further context, I wouldn't deem it like a failure. You got to see how certain things play out. But if you're looking for incremental improvements, 80 to 85 is your wheelhouse. I think 80 to 85 is kind of the safe answer, probably the smart answer. I was pretty stunned that not more fans went with 90 plus. So the same people who thought, oh, screw it. Pay Justin Verlander 25 million. (laughs) Don't think the Tigers are like going to the playoffs next year. Uh, and I, I don't know. I think they could win right around 85 games. I wouldn't blame anyone who chose 85 to 90. Like, I think that's within reach. I don't think 90 plus is probably within reach. Um, but I thought, you know, like you guys are fans. I thought, I thought like, you know, 15% of you would go 90 plus. No one did. So shout out to you guys for, for keeping the expectations grounded again. Maybe it's that defense mechanism thing. I don't know. But 80 to 85, I think I don't think you should complain. That probably doesn't get them in a wild card game, but that would still be a productive season. I think it means that you got smart readers, Cody. Yeah, true, and I do, I do. That's the great thing about the athletic. Uh, although sometimes we we tell you guys to temper it. I think generally smart people subscribe, and and the our listeners are among the smartest of these smart Tigers fans. All right, let's do a couple more of these. You got any one before we go into some story time? You got any uh, one that you really want to hit on? Uh, I, again, I'm not trying to trash fellow media members, but 
I knew this one would get emotional. How would you rate the Bali Sports Detroit Tigers broadcast? Actually, 40% went with average, um, but 21% went with poor, 23% went with below average, and I got a lot of comments just really ripping the broadcast. Doesn't sound like there are going to be changes in the broadcast booth, at least not that I know of this next season. Uh, look, look, we all know we all know what the broadcast is. I watch the broadcast sometimes. It can be it can be tough to stomach, and then you compare it to the radio broadcast, which everyone thinks is either great or excellent for the most part. Um, that wasn't surprising to me, but it was it was interesting to kind of see that validated among the fans. <sighs> I like you. I'm not going to try to be in the business of uh, trying to be dogging other professionals. Um, I will say this about the ballet thing. So when I answered it myself, I think if you go with like the graphics and the stats that they pull up. Pretty good info. I think I think they bring up a lot of good info. I think that's and, – and, I'm not saying that's specific to Bally or, you know, whatever. But I'm saying if I put the game on TV, there's stuff I learn from those stats and information. So their research department, A+. Uh, the quality of the broadcast, I, I think I would like a little bit more juice. Um, that's kind of how I'll phrase it. And that's why I said that, um, you know, Dan Petrie getting in the broadcast. I was in the big minority on that yeah, one i think me. he would i th- i think he would be great in either one radio or tv um i think i think some juice could be used in radio as well um but i understand how these jobs t- typically go but uh i will say this about the valley broadcast their information department is really really good i always learn something and if nothing else you can you can always just put it on and listen to dan dickerson you learn something and listen to one of the best in the business in my opinion super true super true so anything else you want to get into uh, on i that? think that covers it for anyone who's curious there's some more about uh, potential rule changes just kind of bigger picture questions oh, oh there is oh, one th- okay oh. rule change real okay. quick rule, rule rule change real quick they have to get an umpires announcing yeah for the crowd slash uh slash like the press box and all that stuff that has to be a thing they're the only sport that yeah, doesn't do it I agree that has to be okay a thing. oh re- i'm glad you yeah. put that in real there. quick i don't know anything about hockey but more y'all said the red wings are going to make the playoffs before the tigers and like no one chose the pistons am i am i wrong to be surprised by that um well, first of all, as sad as it is, it's it's easier to make the there plans, aren't a lot of great yeah. options. Um, the Red Wings have a have probably well not probably they have the most proven GM slash president of operations, so I think that's a big part of it. And the season started out I actually went to the Red Wings game this week in Dallas. They lost, but they were on a back to back. Dallas hadn't played in four days, so they had fresh legs. Uh, the season started out kind of promising, whereas basketball it takes a million years. Pistons are another lottery pick, hitting on another lottery pick away from probably seriously looking at playoffs. East is really strong. 
the Lions, that speaks for itself. Uh, and, and so I don't know if you should be surprised. I, I will say I'm surprised that there wasn't a little bit more love for yeah. the Pistons just because of the hype of the number one pick. But the Red Wings, they we've seen some draft picks come and start to make an impact. Their their version of Kiel Badu is Lucas Raymond. Um, although he was a first round pick, not a surprise, but in terms of a fan hype uh, rookie. Um, so I would say the Steve Eisman factor might have been big there. That's probably true. The guy yeah. who's built a Stanley Cup championship, uh, perennial Stanley Cup Stanley Cup championship contender. Yeah. So I would still say like the athletic gives the Red Wings a ninety one percent chance to miss the playoffs this year. So then you're banking, okay, the Tigers also miss the playoffs and the Red Wings make it like next year before the Pistons get fully built. I don't I would vote Tigers and if you weren't a Tigers believer, I would probably vote Pistons. But again, I don't know anything about hockey. So all right, uh, we're going to wrap up with a little story time. We'll come up with a clever name for this. Uh, but it's basically we're just going to we're going to tell a funny anecdote from um, from our college days. And this one, I think this was Cody's idea to start out with this one. I think it, two uh, two guys from the southern region of the United States with a majority Michigan and Midwest and Northern uh, listener base will probably think, yeah, these guys are idiots. That's really uh, true. Yeah. So and so, do you want me to start out and then and then you kind of fill it's, in? Or? This one's mostly your story. I think you should take it. Again, we want to make this a weekly segment. We got we got unlimited stories from our college days. Try to pick the ones that are like PG or PG thirteen, and I think this is a good place to start because it was classic. Just two young guys who are idiots, and uh, yeah, what can take it from here? All right, so first of all, if you follow us on Twitter, follow the at Turn Corner Pod on Twitter. I'll tweet this out again, but I posted a picture of the house that I lived in senior year. So you can kind of visualize it a little bit. So in Oklahoma, you get a lot more ice storms than I think people realize. Uh, it's multiple times a year. And it's also still in the region where you can... Uh, like we would have snow days, and then by ten o'clock the next day, because they called school the previous night, everything's melted because it's still warm enough. The sun is still out enough uh, to melt everything. So keep that in mind a little bit. Uh, so my senior year of college, Cody's junior year, um, we worked at the newspaper together. It was a Tuesday night, which is a production night. Uh, so we were done with production uh, of the newspaper and. My girlfriend at the time, uh, we spent the majority of time at her place because she had a dog and, you know, can't leave the dog alone. She lived with random people, so it wasn't like a friendly best friend roommate thing that could take care of the dog, you know. So I was more or less stuck with her schedule. This particular night, she was feeling like just doing nothing and wanted to do something by herself or be away from me or something like that. Whatever. She had a lot of those nights. Great relationship. She had a. Please those, leave me alone, Karen. <laughs> she she was uh she, she dictated those nights. Let's just say that I wasn't dictating those nights. She dictated those nights. So, uh, so I was like, all right, well, I'll drop you off uh at your at your place, and then I'll, you know, I call Cody. I'm like, hey man, she's uh she's trying to do her own thing. So you want to go get a drink? He's like, yeah, okay. 
all right, let's go to College Bar, meet me in my house, which my house was literally right next to what's called the Strip, and it's just the street of bars that are frequented by college students. So the previous, a couple days earlier, had been one of those ice storms we just mentioned, and most of the ice was melted. My, my house had parking in front of, there was a couple spots in front of the house that was gravel parking right in front of the house. We also had an elongated deck. So I'm like pretty hyped. I was like, all right, you know, about to go get some drinks with my boy, you know, like I'm, I'm feeling pretty good, you know. And so I, I come in a little fast and to pull into my house and I hit black ice. I couldn't see it because the, because the sun, or it was dark already, but it was still there because the, the shade had kept the ice from being melted that, you know, the past couple of days. I didn't think there was any left. I was wrong. At the time, I was driving a 1995 Mercedes C220. Important um, detail. Red, uh, like chipped flaking paint. The, the worst... Uh, Bumper, uh, ever had. cracked, Lost. cracked bumper. It was a hand-me-down from my mother. Uh, New York license I, plate. <laughs> the, I, yeah, New York license plate. I ran that thing into the ground, man. I'll tell you. Uh, had all kinds of problems, but that's what you do in college, right? You get by. And uh, and so I, I skidded on the black ice and slammed into the deck in front of my house. <laughs> and and so, uh, so you get there, and I'm like, all right. There's not that much damage. The deck is okay, but we got to get the car out from being wedged with the deck. So we're thinking, how do we? Uh, I try to reverse, and I'm just the the, the wheels are just spinning on nothing, basically. Just spinning, they're just screeching, just screech. There no traction whatsoever because they're on ice, and so you and I have the bright idea that we, we're gonna go get some hammers, and we're gonna. We're going to try to break the ice at where the wheels are to try to get it, you know, away from the away from the wheel, away from the tire so that I can reverse out. And we did that way too long. I don't know how long we did that. But we, <laughs> we, we, we tried like it. sticks and hammers. <laughs> it's not again. We were in college now. Like we had like a shovel. I don't know if that shovel would have helped though because it was ice, not snow. But we didn't. We were just like trying everything. I think we found some other utensils, and we we're like, "All right, mate." I think I had like a spoon or a fork at one point. Yeah, like <laughs> some, it's like some Shawshank Redemption <laughs> stuff, you know, just trying to scrape away, <laughs> uh, and, and you know, create a hole and all this stuff. And eventually, we we get the car out. Uh, but how did um, we it was, eventually get it? Do you, I don't even remember. I, don't, I, think. I think eventually we just we just went to where it was just mud underneath this yeah. ice, and we probably had like one of my roommates like push the car while I yeah. like tried to reverse it, and uh, so then, so then we went and had some drinks. So the funny the funniest part at the end of this is we go out, we have some drinks, you know, hang out and all that stuff, and um, when I parked my car. I just kind of reversed it out, still on the property, and I didn't want to move it again because I was just feeling lucky, and I was like, I really need a drink right now after spending 40 minutes or whatever hammering ice in this dirt road in order to move this piece of S car that I have, you know, and uh, so I I just kind of reverse it out and then just like park it and we go to the bars. 
my bumper was maybe six inches into the sidewalk. And the next morning I have class at like 8.30 or 9.30. I always had morning classes. I wasn't one who tried to schedule afternoons. Uh, 8.30, 9.30. So I get up and I go to my car. I lived right next to campus, so but I was so I'm not going to drive anywhere. But like I got a parking ticket. <laughs> For like parking in a public easement or whatever, because the bumper was six inches uh, into the sidewalk on a Tuesday night slash Wednesday morning, whenever like parking enforcement drove by, I was like, you had to be, you had to be feeling some type of way to give me that ticket. And in college, a parking ticket's not like, oh, lol, just a parking ticket. It's like that's that's my beer money, that's my pizza money, like that's. You know, I don't know how much that was, 20, date 30, night 40 bucks, like that. Date night stuff, you know. That's some serious, that's a hit to your budget um, that you did not deserve. Yeah, so, uh, so yeah, I thought that was kind of ridiculous, but, you know, it's one of those things, what can you do? So I just want you guys to imagine Cody and I on a dirt road that just has two ba- patches of ice that my wheels are on, picking at it with hammers and and spoons and forks and trying to like unwedge a car from a wooden deck college baby <laughs> look how far we've come look how far next we've week come. we will you will hear the legend of suit guy stay tuned oh yes suit guy that's uh that that's a great one as well uh so yeah so we'll come up with a creative name for this and and make it a weekly thing to try to fill in some time in the off season so I uh, hope you guys will be entertained by it. Like I said, look at our Twitter accounts. We'll show you the house so you can, you can kind of visualize it. Uh, if you don't follow Cody on Twitter, there's a chance that you're going to miss some breaking news. So you can follow him at Cody Stavenhagen. Um, I'm at Kieran underscore Steckley, and our pod page is at Turn Corner Pod. Anything else you want to add, Cody? I think that's it. All right. Well, we appreciate everybody listening. We appreciate everyone who took this survey. Um, anyone who subscribes to the athletic keeps Cody employed, keeps us. Uh, oh, we got, all right. I called for 1200 responses. I checked it, uh, Monday and we were at like a thousand and I was like, oh, we are going to destroy this. And then people stopped responding. We finished with 1091. Didn't get to 1200. I'm still pleased that we cleared a thousand, uh, actually failed the goal, came up a little bit short despite a great early turnout, um, guess kind of like the the recent election you know we just didn't get those late results in well did you do you think the response was the trevor story of the responses if the goal 1200 is carlos correa is getting 1100 uh yeah yeah trevor maybe story. the goal was just the most ambitious goal you could have and there's nothing wrong with 1100 either yeah so maybe there's a metaphor there so <laughs> um Please continue to uh, subscribe, rate, and review. We appreciate it. We're going to keep rolling through the offseason. We have been going around like our schedules with vacations, especially Cody as he tries to enjoy um, some time off. So I appreciate him, you know, making time for this, even if he's technically on a vacation and all that stuff. So uh, we do it because we care. We do it because we think it's important. And we do it because we have a lot of fun. And I hope that that certainly comes across. So, like I said, at Cody Stavent Hagen, at Kieran underscore Steckley, at Turn Corner Pod on Twitter. Please subscribe, rate, and review Apple and Spotify. So, for 
Cody Stavenhagen, so you can go back to listening to the Red Album. I am Kieran Steckley. Thank you for listening.